This is episode number 13, why you need to add Australia's Kosciuszko National Park to your National Park bucket list. Welcome to the National Park Trippers podcast. I'm your host, Maureen. Each episode, we explore a new national park and welcome a national park enthusiast to share their knowledge about a specific national park around the world. Join us as we head out into the great outdoors for exclusive tips, recommendations, planning strategies, and off-the-path nuggets that will have you and your family getting out and exploring more as national park trippers. In this episode, I speak with Maiki, a German expat who lives in Sydney, Australia with her family. Her parents instilled a love for the outdoors in her, and now that she has her own family on the other side of the world, they can be found hiking and wild swimming as often as possible. They share their travels on their Instagram page, at Family Trip Fever. Today, Mikey and I will be exploring the Kosciuszko National Park in Australia. Welcome to National Park Trippers, Mikey, and thanks for joining us. You have such an interesting background being from Germany and now living in Australia. So can you share a little bit more about how you and your family ended up in Australia? Oh, it was just me. I just came to Australia by myself as a backpacker after high school. Okay. And I really fell in love with the country and actually tourism on the first day here in Australia, I arrived in Sydney. And then I just went back, started tourism, tourism and came back. Wow. So it just, mean, just happened. I don't blame you because if anyone who knows <laughs> me, like for a long period of time, like I've never been to Australia, but Australia is has been number one on my list for so long. Like it's the place that I'm just dying to go to. So I don't blame you <laughs> for just kind of falling in love. And so how long have you been there now? Um, I came out 2009. What's that? That's about, um, yeah, 12 years coming up. Wow. So it's a long time. It is a long time. I, you know what? You know what? You have been there exactly the same amount of time. I came to Israel in 2009. So I've been here. I kind of have the same story as you. I came here by myself mm-hmm. for work. I, I did nonprofit and then, you know, fell in love, got married, had a family and stayed. Well, same. <laughs> yeah. Been here ever since. <laughs> exactly. It just happens. Yeah. That's how life is though. It just happens. Exactly. So let's start by talking out about talking about national parks or national reserves inside of Australia, because as I was doing research, looking online about Australian national parks, I came to discover that it is pretty much the king of national parks. The the country is with the most national parks in the world. There's like over 500 or something like that in the country. So can you tell us a little bit about the national parks in Australia? For example, how does it work? So I can really just talk for New South Wales because that's where I live. Okay. Um, And just in New South Wales, I think there are almost over 800 national parks and nature reserves. Wow. So it's absolutely massive. And you have to pay entry, but not for all national parks there are only 45 national parks in new south wales where you have to pay an entry fee all the other parks and reserves are completely free 
Okay. Yeah. And, and um, for example, I know in the U in the U.S., for example, also here, there are yearly passes that you can buy to go to any national park within the year. Do they have that kind of system in Australia? Yes, and I think they just um, started to do online passes as well so okay. that you don't need a sticker on the, the windscreen. Right. But usually um, if you go to a national park, they have like entry booths and then you can either pay for a day pass or you can go straight into the yearly pass. Mm -hmm. And there are, I think, four different passes here in New South Wales. You can do the single pass, there's a daily pass. You can do the multi-pass park. Sorry, it's called multi-park pass. Okay, right. <laughs> and that includes the Kosciuszko National Park. The no, sorry, I'm no, sorry, I'm confusing myself. The the all parks pass that includes the Kosciuszko National Park. Then you have the multi-park pass that is excluding the Kosciuszko National Park, but all other national parks in New South Wales. Okay. Then you have a pass that's specific for country national parks. And then you have the single park pass just for like day trippers. Right. So for someone who okay. wanted to, let's say I've seen it's popular. Well, maybe not popular. I've seen a couple of families on Instagram doing like, um, what do they call it? The, the lap around the country. Like, I guess it's, I don't know, the lap where you just drive around the mm -hmm. entire country. So if you're doing something like that, do any of the passes cover the entire country or each, each um, area has its own pass system? I'm not sure about that, mm -hmm. but I guess because New South Wales has its, has own, its own national park passes, I would assume that all the other states and territories have their own right. passes in their own system as well. Yeah. I mean, it's so such like a large, vast area. You don't really think of it as being so much because when you look at the map, <laughs> It doesn't occupy that much space, but it actually is quite large. So I would imagine, yeah, that they, and especially because there's so many all throughout the country. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump right into Kosciuszko. Another, this is like the third or fourth park that I've struggled sit with its name because there's just so many crazy names out there. Kosciuszko. Where in Australia is it located? Well, if you look at the map of New South Wales, it's at the very south bottom to the state of Victoria. So it borders to the state of Victoria. And it's okay. approximately five hours drive south from Sydney. Oh, from Sydney. And about, yeah, and a little bit inland and about one and a half hours from Canberra. Gotcha. So Canberra. if you were coming internationally, you would fly into Sydney. That would be the closest probably. Or Melbourne, how far from Melbourne is it? It's quite a bit. I think it's um, oh, seven hours from Melbourne. Okay. So I think I would either fly into Sydney or Canberra, depending okay. where you're coming from. Like if, if you just go there purely for the Kosciuszko National Park, I think I would fly into Canberra. Right. Yeah, I would and imagine then, not too many yeah. people do that. But just to give a reference of where, you know, where it is located for us non-Australians. <laughs> who aren't familiar with the area. Okay, and so what is, what type of landscape can you see at the park? Well, it's really called the Alpine Playground of Australia. So 
when I first drove to the snowy mountains, that's the, the area, the whole like the Kosciuszko National Park is in an area called the Snowy Mountains. Okay. And I was like, oh yeah, let's let's go to the mountains. And I'm from Germany. And I was like, yes, finally, really <laughs> big mountains. And I we drove up the mountains and then I was like, oh, <laughs> where are the mountains? There's just big round hills. So <laughs> For me, it was like just a shock because I assumed that there are mountains, like really big mountains up there. But for Australia, it is like the alpine area. You can see um, rivers, mountains, big boulders. Yeah, like just uh, it, it's it's really hard to um, describe because you can't compare it to the European Alps or um mountains in the US it's 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 completely different right I, I would imagine like especially for us also like in Israel we don't we have one mountain and that's it and that's like the only place you can go in the winter and it's compared to also compared to Europe it's it's not really a mountain let's just be honest you know it's you would probably it's probably the same situation yeah. like you look at it and be like okay you know that's that's a great hill <laughs> but you can still I mean they're still skiing there's still slopes there's still all of that so I'm assuming that if you're coming from somewhere like Switzerland you know when you're used to the Alps you might be a little you know lower your expectations a little bit but if you're coming from somewhere flat you know or deserty like here it would be quite a mountain I would imagine <laughs> oh it's it's um it's it's ex it's really spectacular because I think all of the let's say mountains that are like covered and you know with um gum trees mm-hmm. and then above I think seven hundred meters above sea level that's um where actually the the snow gum grows and that's a really particular tree to that area and you can find it nowhere else in the world and it's just just seeing the gum tree because of the wind and all this ice and the snow, the branches are actually twisted. Wow. And it's, it just looks incredible. And then it's just like, I, I, I'm not sure if you can compare it to a prairie in the US. Okay. But if, as soon as you go, say, above 2,000, 1,000, let's say 1,500 meters, it's really bare mm. and there's just snow grass in their little, um, what's, what's it called, the mint, Australian mint bush. Okay. And it's I just have... like, it, it's not really high, but there's just like a few snow gums and then you walk through really grassy areas. Right. And I think and it's rivers. important yeah. to, note it, to note that you guys now are in, you're just starting winter. So for yes. you, it, it is the snow season where for us, we're just starting summer, you know? So how, how is it as far as a ski location? I mean, can you ski? Yes, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Like the Kosciuszko National Park has two ski resorts, okay. Parishaw and Threadball. And actually, last week we went to both to Parisha and Threadball, and they were making snow. Oh. And then we could see all the, the snow clouds that are coming through, and the, the 
you know, snowstorms coming and we actually hiked through snow a little bit, which was really, really nice. It's really interesting because I don't think many people think of Australia with snow. You know, it's like not the first thing that you would think of because you would think of that desert dry outback, if you will, you know, that's what everything everyone has in our minds. So to, to hear that there's snow and there's ski resorts and there's skiing, it's kind of really cool. It gives a whole different perspective to Australia. I mean, for me anyway, you know, I don't think of Australia in that way. And speaking of like skiing, so I've, I read that um, there's actually the tallest mountain in Australia there at the park. Is that part of the skiing? No. They are, when I say no, <laughs> um, okay. The Threadbow and Parisha, like Parisha is more down in the valley and Parisha, the ski resort, is really up in the mountains. And then there's Mount Kosciuszko. So it's Mount Kosciuszko is really between Perisher and Threadbow. So if you you can walk there from um, Perisher Charlotte's Pass, it looks like um, Perisher is a bigger ski resort and Charlotte Pass is about five minutes drive, a little bit further up the hill. Mm. And you can do, you can walk from Charlotte's Pass. They can do a huge walk. I think it's a 22-kilometer main range walk Okay, wow. up to the summit, and then you can return. Or you can take the chairlift from Threadbow up to Eagle's Nest. It's actually um, Australia's highest restaurant. And then you can do a 13K return walk to the summit and back. Like, oh. it, it's really accessible. Like, all the walks, they're really there's no climbing involved it's, it's just like nice paved sometimes paved walks or boardwalks that goes okay. all the way up, up to the mountain like even toddlers can do it oh okay interesting yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you don't need equipment you don't need like rock climbing any of that stuff you can just like oh, you walk can, up in summer i think people walk up there in, in shorts and trainers oh awesome perfect yeah so let's jump into um, planning your trip. So a lot of people like to know, for example, the logistics of, of how to plan a trip to the park, especially for those who don't really know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So how did, I mean, you, I, you've been a couple of times, you, you mentioned, how do you plan for your trip to Kosciuszko? For example, what resources or planning strategies do you use? Well, I usually always, um, before we go, I look at the map mm -hmm. to see how big it is and, you know, the best access point to the park. And because we have two toddlers, I always want to make sure we are close to like a township. Okay. You know, if, if, if we need something, because my little one has eczema. So, it, you know, sometimes you need antihistamine to stop him from itching. Like, yeah, I just need to make sure that there's um, a pharmacy mm -hmm. nearby or a bigger shopping center so I can get stuff for him. And then I actually go through Instagram a lot. <laughs> right. See, you know, yeah. <laughs> people are yeah. going. And then I usually save 
like you know posts I like or areas I like and then I really go to the map and see where it is because the Kosciuszko National Park is I think 6,900 square meters okay square kilometers so it's probably it's, kilometers yeah yeah um I've just I've written it down somewhere I think it's 6,900 square kilometers like it's it's a huge national park and some areas are really difficult to access so you really need to but it's but it's it's hard because you, usually I call New South Wales parks as well and just ask if you know if it's accessible by car where okay. I want to go yeah because sometimes the roads are closed after rain or bushfire or big storm mm-hmm so it's not it's not an easy accessible park if you want to go off the grid. But if you want to go to Parishaw and Threadball, it's really accessible because there's just one way in and out. You go through Canberra, through Kuma, then you go down to Jindamine. That's like a little township with the lake. And then from there you can go, you can drive within 30 minutes to other uh, parish or threadball. Okay. And you mentioned um, that you call. Is there also a website that people could just go on to see if there's any closures or, I mean, you said though, if there's any fires, anything like that, do they have a website? Yes, it's the New South Wales Parks website. Okay. And you can just get, they have a map in there. You can just type in Kosciuszko National Park and then there, if there are alerts, there's like, you know a red right like a little uh, alert pop-up yeah right yeah and says and then you can just click on it and then you can read which areas are closed or which are accessible and what's going on awesome and was it so the, the all those wildfires that australia had was it affected at all this national park do you know or was it in a different no parts of it were yeah really badly affected like we drove, it was actually quite sad. We went in March and we just drove a little bit from Threadboat, just um, down the main road towards Kent Coburn and Chiha. Right, flat. It was that beautiful, lush um, gum tree forest. And then suddenly we went over the hill and everything was burned. Oh, wow. Wow. So, and we, we didn't expect it. Like it, it did quite shock us. Yeah. I mean, it was a shocking situation all around just watching, you know, the news and seeing everything that was happening with all the wildfires. It will probably take years and years to recover some of that, some of that um, yes. landscapes. Yeah. But you can also see um, the regrowth, which mm-hmm. is actually really, really beautiful to see because with the, it's just really black. And then you can see the really crisp, bright green, you know, regrowth. Right. And it's, it's really, really nice. It's incredible, actually, how nature recovers itself, you know? Yeah. Even us out of the picture, how it will do it by itself. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. an incredible process. Yeah. As I said to my husband, I was like, wow that's beautiful just look at it and he was like what it's just burnt and I was like no <laughs> don't look at the burnt tree it's just 
look at the regrowth, just look a little bit in between. And it, it was it was actually beautiful. Just the and some, you know, there were flowers coming through as well, like red flowers against the, the black. It was just beautiful. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I wonder actually how long it would take to recover all the that area, you know? That's interesting to think about how long it would take. Yes. Yes. It's not centuries. Yeah. Well, moving on to a, a more positive, a more yes. positive <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you take your family and you have two little toddlers. Mm-hmm. So what types of activities are suitable for them? I mean, you said the, the hiking and, and taking little trips. So what what type of activities are suitable for children? And then what type of activities might not be suitable for young children in the park? Well, I think it really depends what what everyone is into. Like, you know, what what everyone's interested is Mm -hmm. because we love hiking, but we also love wild swimming. So we always go to rivers with them. We're walking through rivers. We do river crossings. Um, we're walking through gorges with them, climbing up hills. I mean, I'm not saying climbing in rock climbing. Right. I mean, like hiking up a hill like with them. Sometimes it's a little bit of a scramble, but most of the time it's just on nice, you know, paths. Um mountain biking we went on the mountain bike trail they had their little balance bikes and they just mm-hmm. they went down the hill and we had to run after them just to stop them because they <laughs> oh, stop. <thank> <laughs> um fishing what i say what i think what's maybe not that suitable for toddlers is maybe cross country or backcountry snow snow shoeing mm-hmm. but then I mean if you put them on your back it's doable as well so yeah it's true like you said it comes okay. down to everyone's comfort level yeah. you know and what everyone yeah. I mean there are like your kids I'm sure are used to doing way more than mine for example <laughs> because we we do hiking but we don't do a lot of a lot more than hiking you know and that so I'm it all comes down to like like you said, it all comes down to, you know, what your kids are used to. But there are certain, you know, levels of difficulties that some, you know, that obviously that toddlers or young kids won't be doing compared to adults. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't, I don't think I would take them. Uh, I would. Um, maybe not upsiling or something like this. I don't think I would take them upsiling. But I mean, everything else, we, we try it. Mm-hmm. Like I would even try um, snow shoeing with them. If it doesn't work, you know, we, we just turn around, but at least, you know, we, we try it. Yeah. Have your kids tried Have skiing kids? yet? No, because we never went um, during the snow season. We always wear go just before the season opening and just after the season opening. Okay. So they, they love walking through the snow and just, you know, playing in the snow. I think Carter hiked the other day three and a half k's uphill through the snow. Wow. He just loved it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. My daughter has become obsessed with snow because she's never seen it. So anytime we walk 
anytime we're seeing something like on television or, or a movie mm-hmm. with snow, she's, she so wants to go, go in the snow. And I'm thinking she probably, you know, until she actually realizes that it's super cold because she has no concept of snow whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but some kids absolutely love snow. You know, they, they it, love it. It was magical. Like it just added so much more to the landscape. Right. Yeah. There's yeah, something it was, it really was just, special. Oh, it was just amazing. Like I couldn't even believe it. So what kind of hiking tips do you have for other families who aren't huge hikers but want to be especially with little kids just try it just go for it I mean Mm -hmm. you can always turn around if if it's not suitable for you you can always turn around Mm -hmm. I think we did the dead horse gap the other day and it was um, rated as hard as a really hard walk and we forgot our toddler carriers okay at home right What it never happens that we forget our toddler carriers. It's the first thing I pack and on this trip, <laughs> which is we completely forgot about it. And then we went with friends and they wanted to do the dead horse gap. And I was like, oh, that's it's way too hard. It's just uphill and steps, and I can't do it because I can't carry two toddlers. Mm-hmm. And and a backpack is just not possible. Like even if Matt carries one of them, they're still you know, between 10 and 20 kilos. Yeah. And you don't have a carrier and was like, oh, we can't do that. But we actually managed to get up the hill and walk, um, hiked for two and a half each way. And it was and, amazing. Wow. That's and they walked. They walked. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, maybe you forget, we should forget the carriers all the time now because they actually walked. But no, like, like you know, we, we always could have turned around, but right. we, we just tried it. And the other important thing is layers. Because it's mountain, the weather can change in an instant. So I would always put layers on, especially even in summer and winter, always like T-shirt, long sleeve, and then maybe a light jacket, mm-hmm. especially wind jacket or um, rain jacket as well. And then you can just take it off. Yeah, layering is also always a popular tip. You know, I feel like no matter where you're at, it's always important to have layer. What layering? What type of carriers do you use? I think we use Ergo carrier, but I'm not sure. It's just old one. I, I bought them secondhand. Like it's just yeah, yeah they're the ones that you kilos. have on your backs, and then you they just uh, ride inside. Is that how it works? Uh, yes it, it's just it's, it's not a backpack it's just like I think it, it's really a baby carrier and but it's up to 20 kilos so we still use it <laughs> yeah I, I've never actually used a like a hiking carrier before once no I would be so scared I would hit them you know because when you go on the trees you always have to duck right so I'm like I can't have someone that's up higher than me or taller than me I would just Oh, they're very popular though. Lots of families are using them, you know, with, I, I can see it if it's comfortable. Well, you know, maybe if you're out in the open space more, they yeah. can be, they can be more helpful, but yeah, I've never used a, a hiker, a hiker carrier 
Like as soon as, soon as our daughter could walk, she's just on her own. <laughs> she's, she's walking. She's not getting any yeah. help from us. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same. I was like, you have two feet. You can walk up, up you are. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of snacks to motivate here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can have a piece of chocolate up that hill. <laughs> yeah. If you reach the summit, you get a whole bar of chocolate. Yeah. We're almost yeah it there. always works. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about wildlife because mm -hmm. one thing that I know I'm really interested in, especially with Australia is wildlife. And, you know, most people, when we think of Australia, probably the top three things we think of are kangaroos, uh, koalas and crocodiles. That's anyways, for me. <laughs> and I know that there's a lot more wildlife there but that's you know that's I, I feel like that's what everyone wants to see when they go to Australia so speaking of wildlife in the park um mm -hmm. what will what will people see while they're there um definitely snakes okay not high on the list <laughs> no not at all um well I say that but the first time we really saw snakes was really in March. You, you don't really see snakes in winter anyway because right. they're hibernating. But on the last on the trip, the previous trip, I think we saw in one day three snakes, and that never happened, never. And it was one of the deadliest snakes in Australia. Oh wow! And I'm like, okay, you just go where you want to go and we go where we want to go <laughs> so but but they're not aggressive you, you know we, we just saw it a snake saw us and then it just slid the way into the bushes mm -hmm. which is fine as long right. as you as long as you are aware of stuff oh yeah what you asked me what people should definitely bring on the hike mm -hmm. a snake kit yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. If those are popular yes. snake kits. Okay. Yes, snake kit. We always have a snake kit and a first aid kit. And what if you really go remote, I would do um, PLB. It's a personal locator beacon. So you can just push the button if you get bitten or if you, you know, break your leg or whatever happens. And then mm -hmm. it sends a signal to the emergency crews and then they will come and get you. Okay, because if you get bitten, is there a high chance that it's a venomous snake? There are venomous snakes in the area? Yes, they're, yeah. they're quite a, a bit. Like, they are, I, I wouldn't say, not a lot of people died from a snake bite. I think there are more people dying from shark attacks in Australia than a snake bite. <laughs> But uplifting. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Don't go in the water. <laughs> yeah, I just just to be safe, I, I would just we, we just purchased actually a snake kit and it's just um, with instructions how to bandage it, just to you know to increase your chances of survival. Okay, that's that's a very important tip. Make sure that yeah. you have a snake kit. I was just um, talking about a park where bears you know in Canada mm -hmm. and, and there they have to have a bear you have to have a bear kit here you should have your <laughs> snake kit <laughs> so depending on, depending on where you are you need to be aware yeah. so besides snakes are there any other um 
creatures that you might come across? Yes. We saw heaps of kangaroos, especially at night. So if you're driving at night, you have to be really, really careful because they just jump out in front of the car. Okay. As soon as they see a light, they jump. It's not like they stop. It was like there's a car, no, they jump out. And they're massive, so they can actually cause a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see wombats. Um, what else? Wild brumbies, wild horses. Wait, wild brumbie, you said? Brumbie. Rumbie, what is what is that? It's a wild horse. Okay. So it's um, it's actually that they, it's not native to the national park. They got um imported, if I can say that. Yeah. Because the Kosciuszko National Park was used as a grazing area for cattle and horses and stuff. Okay. And I, I'm not. I'm not saying anything else because I'm I'm don't know the history of the brumbies, mm-hmm. but they just um, their hooves damage the native plants. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of a pest in the national park, but they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Oh. We we just we did a walk. It was a Cascade Trail walk, and I said to Matt. I just want to see a wild horse. Even if it's just one, I just want to see one. Mm-hmm. And then I saw horse poo and I was like, oh my God, they're here. <laughs> so I started walking really fast and I was like, oh, slow down, slow down. I was like, no, no, no. The horses are so fast, you know, I have to try and catch them. <laughs> and it was just, I didn't even know where I'm going, but the cascade trail, it goes into a um, wilderness like it, it's called the pilot wilderness it's like inside the Kosciuszko National Park and it just opens up and it's just that flat area with um, hills on the side and then we just saw like five brown bees running down the hill just in front of us and wow. it's just oh god I just had goosebumps everywhere it was just amazing it was like Oh, it was just beautiful. <laughs> wow, what a moment. What a moment. I was That's... just jumping up and down. I was brumbies, brumbies, brumbies. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was actually no one else was there. God, thank God. If they would have seen me, I think they would have thought I'm absolutely nuts. Oh, that's but cute. It was, just, it was just amazing because you were in the middle really of nowhere, just surrounded by a little stream mountains like a plateau kind of area and then just the wild brumbies it was just amazing wow and they can just roam wherever they want around the area yes they go through the whole national park that is so cool that is really cool yeah so what else can you say yeah rabbits um they're everywhere <laughs> they're out of their and eagles that's nice like we saw a few eagles roaming or just flying that okay. was special as well it was really good well there are some amazing wildlife there yeah i mean what? yeah that's <laughs> like a i mean i mean the kangaroos are one you know just just seeing kangaroos would be a highlight for most people you know add mm-hmm. that onto the horses and the eagles some snake throwing some snakes here and there. 
<laughs> you can't get Australia without snakes. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's yeah, and then there's um another thing, not another thing, another type of kangaroo. It's called the wallaby. Okay. It's just a tiny, a smaller like version it. of the kangaroo. Yes. Yeah, I was and always wondering tiny, what's yeah. the difference between a kangaroo and a wallaby. It's basically just the size. Yeah. Okay. Like the the wallabies, they look really cute. Like they have that little tiny, cute little face. You just wanna, you know, Aww. go in and just scratch them and you know. Grab their cheek, most of you. Kangaroos are sorry. Until they like take your hands and start boxing your face. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I don't think wallabies will do it. But kangaroos, I would keep my distance. Yeah, kangaroos like, are, they can yeah. be just nasty. I mean, I've seen videos of them just like, you know, go full speed on someone. <laughs> they can be dangerous. Yeah. Definitely. We went to um, to a place called the Waterhalls and they have that beautiful walk. It's called the Gorge, Clark Gorge Walk. And when we came back, it was during sunset and then all the kangaroos came out and they were like literally 20 meters away from us. We were about 50 kangaroos just wow. grassing and Carter started running towards them and I just freaked out and I just grabbed him. I was like, you have to be so careful because they just can you know, that one punch and, you know, he can be knocked out. Right, of course. So it's, um, yeah, always keep a distance from kangaroos, always. Definitely. <clears throat> I would say that for wildlife in general, especially in nature, you know, that's their area. It's not our area. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> so we've, we covered um, some activities already. You mentioned mm-hmm. hiking. You mentioned uh, um, the skiing, but what other type of activities can you do inside the park? For example, can you canoe or kayak, things like that? Um, I think in certain areas you can because mm-hmm. it depends if the river is um, deep and wide enough. So I would de- we definitely saw a few people on their um, floaties going down yeah. the river. Okay. But I've, I've never seen someone in a canoe. So I don't think it's um, that popular. But you can do um, definitely wild swimming, like in, in the rivers, fishing, four-wheel driving, caving, like all of those things. Okay, awesome. I love how you call it wild swimming. It's like just swimming in oh, the sorry. wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just swimming in a river. <laughs> I love it. I love this new term, wild swimming. It just sounds so much more, you know, adventurous. <laughs> yeah. Tubing is also so much fun. I've tubed in a couple different places in national parks, and that's just like always a crowd pleaser especially with kids well depending on the the river itself but tubing yeah. can be so much fun oh, I've we never tried it never tried it oh it's it's fun the thing is oh you have to be prepared you have to you know bring your own tubes and yeah then you 
you always have to realize you go down so fast, you still have to walk all the way back to where you started from. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely you have to be prepared for that. Um, how about any unique park features? Any park features there that you wouldn't see in other national parks around the country? Snow. Yeah, I was going to say snowshoeing sounds like quite the unique, yeah, yeah unique activity. You mentioned caves of- briefly. Um, yeah. What kind of caves are, are in the park? Oh, they're, they're massive caves. Um, it's called the uh, Charango Billy Caves. And it's um it's just massive caves with um, I think it's stalagmites and what's the stalactites. other stalactites? Yeah. Yes. So just massive, massive caves. Awesome. Yeah, and and near the caves is actually a thermal pool as well, like a natural thermal pool. Oh no, that's amazing! Yes, I think we um, love caves. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a fan of caves. I'd rather go through the rivers and stuff. But yeah, we, we did do one too, and it was quite amazing to see. Right? Yeah, it depends on the caves. Actually, I just had this discussion. Like, it it takes a certain type of person because there's the caves that are open more, you know, and they're so mm-hmm. huge you can just walk through, and it's not that bad. But then there's those caves where you feel claustrophobic and they're dark and you have to, you know, like you're, you're squished in and there's a lot of people who just don't really love those kinds of caves. (laughs) Yeah. I'm one of those. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's cool that there's all these caves. So basically like this, this national park has almost every type of feature, you know, that, that you can think of. It's, it's very versatile in, in yeah. all the, the features that are there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then that's why I think that they call it the Alpine Playground as well because there's just so much you can do. Like it's it's just just in just incredible. Like right. every time we, we come back, we're like, oh, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, we didn't do that. Okay, next time. Like there's <laughs> always the list. It's just growing, growing, growing and growing. Is it a really popular national park? Like, do you always see a lot of people there? Or what's what's the level, like the level of crowds that you would see? During COVID, it was really popular, especially because all, all the other states closed their borders. So you have to stay in your own state. Okay. And a lot of people started to do um, day trips and road trips and they actually did go a lot to the Kosciuszko National Park mm-hmm. because it's so far away from Sydney, for example. A lot of people think, oh, you know, rather than driving down to the Kosciuszko National Park, I can fly, you know, up to Queensland or whatever. It's it's quicker. But I think COVID really um, increased the level of visitors. Mm-hmm. And during winter, it's absolutely booming. Like it's a mecca for skiers and snowboarders and just um, snow sport enthusiasts. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, during COVID, I think that was a situation worldwide. Everyone was flocking to their local national parks or local, you know, nature areas in general. But then, for example, we went last week, we did two walks and we didn't see a single person on those walks. Okay. Has it opened up for you guys more over there? Um, yes, we can really travel freely now within Australia. Mm-hmm. Just the international borders are closed. Okay. So if we really want to travel overseas, we need an exemption and you need to apply for it. Then, you know, the question is if you, if it gets granted or not. And yeah, then if you come back, because we have the cap on the flights, so not everyone can come in, not everyone can get on the flight, and you have to book um, quarantine, hotel quarantine for two weeks, and it's just, let's stay here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's easier. How, yeah, I think that's how it's been a lot of places. We're, we're finally opening up over here. We're actually flying to the States for two weeks, in two weeks. So that'll oh, no. be our first trip in it, like a year and a half just like pretty much everyone who hasn't gone anywhere. But yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting because, you know, we'll have to quarantine when we get back home and it'll be, it's just travel has changed so much, you know, (laughs) since in the past year, it's crazy. Yes. But it also opened up opportunities. So many opportunities. It's very true. Yeah. Like if COVID wouldn't have happened, I don't think we would have gone to all those national parks and did all those walks and, you know, discovering yeah. swimming holes yeah. and all of that. Like it's, it did really open up a whole new world for us here in New South Wales. It, I have to say the same thing that we, we didn't even think of going to national parks before, before mm-hmm. COVID before lockdown. And now it's just become like this way of life. It's completely yeah. changed. Like you said, it's it's changed yeah. everything. And you really get addicted to national parks, isn't it? Or yeah, just really being do. out in nature. Yeah. It's so every time so it has a day, I feel like, okay, where are we going next? Like I have like this hike, this hike, or we can go to this waterfall, or we can go and swimming there. Or <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly like, nice. just, just, you know, calm it down a little bit. <laughs> much to see and explore we just have to go out there and it just just recharges all of your your you know your energy and your batteries and it's just amazing the feeling you have after a day in nature is just incredible I agree I totally agree it's it's awesome so going back to the park um Mm -hmm. this is what I love to ask of all all of my guests what is your number one moment or your wonder, number one do not miss moment from the park. And I know it'll be hard because you guys have <laughs> incredible <laughs> moments. <laughs> your list is is very full. Um, the number one. Or let's say this. If someone was to go just for one day, what yeah. was the one thing that you would tell them that they should see in that one day? Well, I would definitely say drive to Threadball, take the chairlift up to Eagle's Nest and then walk the 13K return to the Kosciuszko Summit. 
to the rooftop of Australia, just walk it. <laughs> and that's like where is that where you said the restaurant was too? The 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 highest the yeah. highest restaurant, right? Yeah. In Australia, yes. So I think because it's the highest summit in Australia, I mm -hmm. think it's a really, really must do. Right. We never went up there. We, we we always turned around halfway through, but <laughs> one day we were there. <laughs> but one day you're going to take your own tip and you're going to go there. <laughs> but it's just, you know, just taking the chairlift and then you're already almost 2,000 meters high and you just, you see all the mountain ranges around you and you know that you are really on top of Australia it's just amazing and it's actually for climbing a summit it's such an easy walk because it's on a raised boardwalk okay so it's okay. it's a flat but the constant incline but it's just a few so like we do just walk to the Kosciuszko lookout it was two k's from the eagle nest hotel uh, eagle nest restaurant and just that part was amazing yeah i can i can only imagine that's definitely something that should be on everyone's list Perfect. and if you walk Perfect. up always look back because the fuse behind you are, are even as scary <laughs> that's true it's not scary at all like i hate heights and i realized it the other day i'm like oh my gosh i just started shaking <laughs> because it was just a vertical drop down I was like no I can't do this so I turned around but that it's just that you, you don't have to be afraid of anything it's such a gentle summit climb mm -hmm. you just yeah if, if you just go there for one day do it perfect awesome and while you're up there and you're looking out and the whole area, <laughs> this is a perfect uh, segue into my, my last question. What, um, in the surrounding areas, what type of things do you recommend doing as well or seeing? Surrounding the national park? Like, yeah, in the surrounding areas of like outside of the national park, but in, in the general area of the national parks. Are there any other sites or any other, you know, landmarks that you think that people should also put on their maps to see? Um, we've never really ventured around on the outskirts of the National Park. We always really concentrate on one side, and that's the um, Parishaw, Threadbow, Chindabine side. Mm -hmm. But if you go a little bit north of the national park, it's um it's quite remote, and there is um it's called the Blue Waterfall Campground, and you can do two gorge walks, like you walk down and then you walk through a gorge, and you have to actually to do seven river crossings oh, okay. in that gorge. Okay. And I've never seen a landscape like this. It's just it's incredible. Like. Just the drive to the Blue Waterfall, it's absolutely mesmerizing. Awesome. And it's called the Blue Waterfall? 
yeah, Blue Water Hall campground. And then from there, you just walk down a little path and then you're in the gorge. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And that just reminded me, that's not my last question. I have one more because <laughs> I forgot to ask you about um, camping or lodging at the national park because you you mentioned it's camping. Um, yeah. Can you camp inside the, the park? Yes, there are heaps of um, campgrounds, but you can't just show up. Yeah, you have to have a booking and you do the booking through the New South Wales Park website. Okay. So you can either do the booking online or you call them up. It's a $6 booking fee, but camping is free. Oh, so that's really yeah. cheap actually. Yeah, so it's it's you can camp like I think almost up for two weeks and you only pay $6. Wow. But and what type of camping is popular? In Australia, do you see a lot of tent camping or do you see more um, like RV camper camping? Um, I would say caravan. Caravan. And especially yeah. with COVID, like all of the caravan manufacturers are just so busy. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even taking orders anymore. Like it just exploded caravan in here in Australia since um, last year. But a lot of people do rooftop tending as well, like okay. car rooftop okay. tending, right. um, tents in general. Yeah. But a lot of, um, most of the campgrounds in the Kosciuszko National Park are completely remote and off-grid. So you need to be, a, you know, self-contained. Okay. And for people who aren't exactly the camping types, um, are there other types of lodgings near the area? Um, they are lodges and huts throughout the park, mm-hmm. but they're quite expensive because they're maintained by the New South Wales National Parks. So, yeah, like it's it's more like, you know, lodging, like glamping and, you right. know, a little bit more luxurious. But we always stay in Chindabine. Like it's a little township with a massive lake just on the edge of the national park. And we always go to the caravan park there and hire a little um, cabin. Okay, perfect. So yeah. we have like an ensuite and a little kitchen and just, you know. Oh, nice. So you have a little bit yeah. of luxuries. <laughs> Not yeah, completely it's, wild. it's really, yeah, it's really simple. Like you have your, you know, mm-hmm. just a kitchen, bathroom and a bed. But it's just, it adds that little bit of comfort. Yeah, exactly. So because it's especially with, I always say with Carter and Connor, I need to have a kitchen, you know, with a few things. And last time we went there, it was a massive storm rolling through and just the cabin shook from side to side. And I was like, oh, just imagine, like, you know, you couldn't even be in a tent right now. Like it was just. Yeah. Well, camping's like, not for it, everyone either. You know, not everyone yes. likes, even likes camping. People, there are people, yeah. you know, who want their comforts and who like their comforts. And yeah, that's so there, there's really something for everyone because the caravan parks, they have their own little, um, um, if people come with caravans, they have their own little, you know, place where they can plug in their powered sites and unpowered sites. There's really, you can do, you have everything 
on the footstep really of the of the national park and then inside the national park i think it's more back to basics a little bit okay so good for any yeah. type of any type of um overnight stay yeah whatever. it's it's perfect like yeah. it, you know has something for everyone that national awesome. park it's just <laughs> it's the must must see national park of oh, australia it is. it is it's one of the most beautiful parks we've been in incredible is there anything else you'd like to share any last minute tips or you know about the park itself or maybe just about australia national parks anything you'd like to finish up with well i would say if people come to australia don't just stick to the coast go a little bit inland mm -hmm. it's just yeah, even if you just go for one day to the Kosciuszko National Park, it's just, it, it's something you've never seen before. Like, for me, a beach is nice, but a beach is a beach. Exactly. So, and if you just go a little bit further inland, if you just go a little bit off the beaten track and away from the tourist hotspots, it's just... Oh, it's, it's just a whole different Australia you can see. And it's well worth it. Yeah. Like, I, I am, and just go for it. I'm really hoping that once the world opens back up you know, and we can get out again and see all these places that, you know, once people start hearing about these national parks, that it will encourage. And, and it's not just, you know, it's for me too, because when mm -hmm. we travel, you know, you, you tend to go to the big cities and like you say, you go to the beaches and you go here and there, but to get out. And like you said, even if it's just one day to spend, you know, in a park or in nature get out to see what that country has to offer. And Australia is like definitely one that has way, way more to offer than just a beach <laughs> yes it's just the problem is with australia and i can understand it if you come for two weeks you just you just stick for example you know to the east coast melbourne to sydney or sydney up to cairns or even mm -hmm. go then to uluru and then from uluru maybe to ningaloo reef in the west but because a lot of people are um, time poor as well like mm -hmm. they want to put you know as much as they can in the two three weeks they come to australia and if you go to national park like the kosciuszko national park it's five hour drive from sydney like it, it's a long drive and it's yeah oh, you need a car to access it so a lot of people think like oh you know why should i drive for one day you know waste a whole day just driving to a national park seeing you know it's a park and then if i can see something else but i'm like no just do it you won't regret it. <laughs> right. It's totally worth it. There's so much yeah. to see, even on the way, I'm sure on the way, you know, when you're driving, you're going to experience a whole different part of the country than you would yes. just see if you stayed in your area. Yes. It's, it's definitely worth it. And I think a lot of tourists will um, hopefully make the change to go a little bit towards the you know, New South Wales country and rural areas. Yeah, I which hope would so. help. Which which would help a lot with them, um, with the bushfires as well. Right. Because all of those areas were so badly affected by the bushfires. All the tourists, um, you know, stayed away. 
wow. because everything was burned down. So they're starting to build it up now. And if if we can get just tourists passing through, you know, even a coffee and a pie, like it, it makes a difference. Yeah, it makes a huge to difference to support yeah. those local, those especially yeah. those small local businesses. Yeah, it makes yeah. it. It makes and, it and you can see the true Australia, not. I I wouldn't say fake, mm-hmm. but it's just that there's like the tourist Australia and there's the yeah the tourists, not the tourist yeah. Australia. Yeah, exactly. Well, I and definitely tell, yeah. I can tell you that I definitely want to see the true, the real Australia. <laughs> My ideal ideal is like to come for a year. I want to do a year trip. That to me sounds perfect. Like probably you need way more than a year to see a lot of stuff, but a year is a good amount of time just to fit it in now. That's, (laughs) that's my, what I need to figure out. Get but a caravan and go on a lap around Australia. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm so into it. Well, see our first caravan trip is going to be in the U S because I need to go home <laughs> yeah. and do of that. Course, yeah. But yes, my second caravan trip is Australia. And I've been wanting to do this. I just need to convince my husband. <laughs> That's the second step. First step is the US. Second step, convince my husband. And then I'm mm-hmm. I'm there. And then you can show me all around. You can be my personal t- tour guide. <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, first, actually, the first step is to open up again. That's the first step, I should say. Oh, yeah. That Hopefully might take soon. another two years. Oh, no. It's okay. Hopefully soon. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much. You. I appreciate all the information you've given us and taking time to sit down talking about, about Kosciuszko and all the activities we can do there. And like I said, for me, I'm definitely wanting to see more of Australia, but like the real Australia, like you mentioned, that's on the top of my list. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on our National Park Trippers podcast so you won't miss an episode. And also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group for the latest National Park news.